Kenny, the Sports Guy podcast. Celtics out of foul. Fans are standing at Staples Center. Clippers down by three. Seat belts are fastened. Barron wants a screen. Driving to his left. Down the lane. The kick to Butler for the tie. Bingo! Hello, welcome back to Kenny, the Sports Guy's podcast. And today we have a very special guest. Joining the show today is legendary Los Angeles Clippers broadcaster, Ralph Lawler. Mr. Lawler needs no introduction, as for the last 41 years, he has been the voice of the Los Angeles Clippers. Mr. Lawler has called over 3,000 games in his career, achieving it on December 16, 2016 against the New Orleans Pelicans. His contributions to the game accumulated with the Kirk Gowdy Award, an award given to outstanding basketball writers and broadcasters. He is known as the walking basketball encyclopedia. It is an honor to welcome to the show today, Mr. Ralph Lauder. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thank you, Kenny. I'm glad to be here. Uh, put this Mr. Lawler thing aside and just, it's Ralph and Kenny, okay? All right, no problem. <laughs> so the first question I have for you is, your legendary career needs no introduction. How did your role with the Los Angeles Clippers start? Well, I had uh, broadcast uh, San Diego American Basketball Association basketball in the late 70s and mid 70s. And then I was back in Philadelphia uh, working and uh, televising Philadelphia 76er games. The fellow who had hired me to work in the ABA wound up being the uh, first general manager of the newly formed San Diego Clippers in 1978. And he kept calling me saying, you got to come out here and, and do this. It'll be great. Get you back to San Diego. And uh, so finally, I, I relented and uh, moved from Philadelphia back to San Diego, where I had worked uh, for several years before that. And when I got the job, Kenny, I was 40 years old. And I said, this is the last job I ever want to have as long as I live. This, this is it. And uh, because, as you know, in, in this business, uh, you can go through a bunch of jobs very, very, very quickly. And I had worked all over the darn place. And uh, I, I, I knew then that that's the last job I ever wanted to have. And it wound up being that. I just never dreamed it would last 40 years, which is what it did. Hmm. That's very, very interesting. What what makes you think that that was going to be the last job that you uh you had? Well, I love basketball uh, always, and uh, I had tried some years earlier when the now Houston Rockets were in San Diego as the San Diego Rockets to get the broadcast job, and uh, didn't didn't make the final cut uh, on that. And then in Philadelphia, I was doing seventy sixer home games on television and, and just loving it, loving the sport, loving the pro game. And uh, I was kind of a part of it, but I wasn't like, you know, the the voice or the face uh, of the franchise. And a chance to do that uh, in, in a town that my family and I love, San Diego, I thought this is just, uh, it can't get any better than this. So I was I was very, very fortunate, very happy to get that job. Very interesting. So the next question I have is, did you believe that you was going to stay with the Clippers for over 40 years? No, I, I you know, I was, I, I figured people typically start talking about retirement at 65 and I was 40. So I, I, I might've 
thought, you know, 20, 25 years of this would be pretty darn good, but never thought I would work until I was 80 years old. I was actually 81 when uh, I, I called my last ball game and I, my wife and I just counted our blessings uh, that people still wanted to pay me to work uh, at, at that age. Uh, anybody that has any job that they love for 40 years is very, very fortunate. Uh, and I was certainly all of that. And that is true. It's like the old saying goes, do what you love. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the next question I have is, did you have like a certain mindset or ritual before every game that you announce in your career? I don't know if it was a ritual or not, but it was a uh, a well-developed habit of of what it would take. People, I think, probably think that uh, broadcasters, whether it's on a network show or on uh, a regional network as we were in Southern California, uh, just show up at the game and uh, start announcing it. Uh, I would get up uh, early, usually 6.30 or so in the morning, and work nonstop. Uh, until maybe three in the afternoon when it was time to uh, get shaved and showered and dressed up uh, and make uh, the lengthy drive uh, to the arena. And in L.A., every drive is a lengthy drive. And uh, so, I mean, I worked six, seven, eight hours in preparation for for every game that I did. And that was well over 3,000 games. Uh, not including all the preseason games, but uh, it, it was, I just didn't have the, maybe the confidence to just sit down and start, start mm. yakking without having done all that work and feeling very confident. Uh, probably named Rod Hundley, who's also a Hall of Fame broadcaster and was a very good uh, NBA player, uh, worked for the Utah Jazz for many years. And, and Rod would literally, uh, he'd go out and play 18 holes of golf uh, and show up at the arena an hour and a half before the game and almost say, who are we playing tonight? And then just sit down and be absolutely delightful for three <laughs> hours uh, you know, on the air. I, I couldn't do that. I, I, I always envied uh, Rod in either way he was able to do that. But uh, it was different strokes for different folks. I, I, it's not the way that I could work. We all work differently, actually, and yeah, I guess too. we had we have our own way of doing things and uh and anything you do in this life. So yeah, his own way, you have your own way. <laughs> yeah. So the next so the next question I have is: you had many memorable quotes in your career, such as "Bingo," "Lawler's Law," "The Lob," "The Jam," and "Wedgie." I have to ask: <laughs> where did the or origins of these catchphrases came from? Because personally, I think that they are very amazing. <laughs> well, I, I had fun with them, and it turned out apparently that uh, the listeners and viewers had fun uh, following them. Uh, Bingo, which is the the title of my my book, Bingo: Forty Years in the NBA, which is available now, uh, happened <laughs> because in 1979, uh, the the league brought in the three point shot from the old AVA and mm -hmm. uh, the, the Clippers brought in a player from Cleveland named Bobby Bingo Smith, who, who just passed away a couple of days ago, sorry to say, oh, no. but uh, Bobby was a, was a good long range shooter. And whenever he would make a three, I, I'd say bingo. And um, it, it kind of caught on. And so 
pretty soon Bobby was no longer with the ball club. I just kept it going. When a three-point basket was made, I called bingo. And so it it worked from that standpoint. The other things that they just kind of popped out of my, my mouth and uh, I'd start hearing it uh, kind of re reflected back to me from, from fans uh, in the arenas and, the, and something worked. Uh, I had called fasten your seatbelts when it was a, a close game near the end of the game and uh, a local columnist at the LA Times uh, wrote once, every time I get in my car and fasten my seatbelt, I think of Ralph Lawler. So I thought, well, that's that's good. So uh, that that stuck as a result. But um, I, I tell young broadcasters who often ask me, uh, how do you develop, you know, a signature call or a, uh, that kind of a thing? And I say, don't try. Just it, it, it'll happen or it won't happen. Uh, but when it happens, you'll know it, uh, and the people that follow you will 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 note it, and and then go with it. But you you can't try to sit at home and try to conjure up some phrase that's going to work. It just, uh, just kind of happens organically. That is true. And I think, sir, you have one of the best uh, catchphrases of all time, actually. Um, huh. I think uh, your catchphrase actually influenced other broadcasters, such as Mike Breen with his bang, uh, bang uh, catchphrase. And yeah. I think you're the one that actually started this whole trend of that. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I, it would be a, it'd be an honor. And occasionally, I will hear, uh, uh, watch NBA league pass all the time. I still follow the league faithfully and pretty much nightly. Uh, I'll I'll hear a, a broadcaster refer to Lawler's Law first team to 100 wins, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it's kind of neat to hear because it it's been uh, four or five years since I worked. Yeah, it's been it's been since 2016, I I believe, right? 2019 was the year. Uh, I 2019, 2019. Yeah. And so the next question I have is, what is your favorite Los Angeles Clippers moment from your career? Well, there, there's a, a lot of them. Uh, I mean, I, I guess one that, and it wouldn't stand out to most people because you know the team never won a championship, so we don't have a. Uh, a championship game uh, to talk about. There was a year that uh, the Clippers opened the playoffs against the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs mm -hmm. were the defending NBA champions uh, with Tim Duncan and that whole great crew that that they had, uh, all of whom are now in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yep. and, and the Clippers took them to a seven-game series, uh, and the game seven was at home in Los Angeles, so what was then called Staples Center. And uh, it was a tie game. And uh, as time was running out, uh, Chris Paul, who was the point guard for the team, made a drive and lobbed in a, a right-handed layup over the outstretched arm of Tim Duncan to win the game and win the series. We had beaten the champions. Uh, and uh, that, that was maybe the biggest single game that uh, the team has, has ever won. Uh, that stands out, but but there there are so many, Kenny. I just had uh, a wonderful long career, and for many years the Clippers were uh, a very very bad team. For the past dozen years or so, they've been one of the top three or four teams in the entire league, and it was nice to go out on that kind of a note. Right off to the sunset, right? <laughs> this is... 
So the next question I have is, you are the recipient of the 2019 Kurt Gowdy Award. What was it like receiving the call? Well, that was a thrill because it's induction of the Basketball Hall of Fame, the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts, where uh, the game was formed by Dr. Naismith back in the late uh, 1800s. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and just being there, I, I, I had visited uh, the Hall of Fame many years ago, uh, never thinking I'd be back as a, uh, an honoree, so to speak. Uh, so my whole family was there, our, our three kids and uh, you know, their, their spouses and uh, our, our best friends, uh, representatives from the basketball team and from Fox Sports, which was the regional network that carried our game for so many years. So, and, and you're surrounded by uh, the greatest players, coaches, uh, and owners that the league has ever known at a big banquet on a Friday night. Uh, it, it's uh, it's awe inspiring. It's humbling. It's rewarding. It's uh, it's the greatest honor that a basketball broadcaster can receive. Uh, it was a, a thrilling night. There's no question about it. It has to be. It's like the top of the top, man. You made it yeah. to the Basketball Hall of Fame, man. All your hard work paid off. <laughs> All right, so let's take, let's talk about today's uh, basketball, especially, especially the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. As of this recording, the Clippers are 2-1 after three games into the season, blowing out the San Antonio Spurs last Sunday. What do you think about the Clippers this season so far? Well, they won last night by 40 points over yeah. the Spurs, which is pretty remarkable to beat anybody by 40 points. I don't think the mm -hmm. Greg Popovich coach team, I wonder if he's ever lost a game by 40 points. Uh, so so I'd, I'd say they're off to a terrific start. Uh, they, they lost one game that they certainly could easily have won. Uh, in Salt Lake City against the Utah Jazz, that have them at three and zero. But instead, it's two and one. You take what you got, and uh, I, I think they have a chance to, to be in the mix of the five or six teams that have a legitimate chance uh, to win a championship. And it would be a, a thrill for me, even now, removed by, by several years uh, from the team, to to see them win a championship. It would really be something. I. I think they got a shot at it. They have a championship coach in Tyron Lue. Uh, they've, they've got uh, three future Hall of Fame players uh, in, in their starting lineup in uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Uh, there's still talk about them maybe adding uh, James Harden from Philadelphia in a trade. Uh, they're, they're right there knocking at the door right now. And uh, but it's a very competitive league. It's it's hard to win on a nightly basis. It's hard to win a uh, division title. It's hard to win every one of the series you have to win to get to the championship finals. But th th they've got a shot, and that's that's really all you can ask for. They have a great a great owner and Steve Ballmer, who is the wealthiest owner in all of professional sports. Uh, so the, the the checkbook is not a problem uh, with this club uh, as it was years before when uh, Donald Sterling owned the team where, where every expenditure was put under the microscope and, and questioned. So 
they, they really got they got everything you need to win a championship. Uh, you just need a good bounce of the ball uh, here or there, uh, a little bit of luck, and you you can be be the champion. That'd be something. They're moving into a brand new arena next year. Uh, they'd love to open that up by uh, raising a championship banner. That's for sure. In the event, if they get James Harden from the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, do you think that they will, it will hurt the team or it will make the team up to the next level? I, I'm I'm not sure how to answer that, Kenny. I, I really, uh, Lawrence Frank is the president of the basketball operations. He's got uh, a really good staff, including uh, the great legendary Jerry West in the front office with him. Uh, if, if they want James Harden, I, I hope they get him. If they don't, uh, I figure they know better. Way, they know way better than I do um, whether or not he would fit in with this group. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not at all the practices as I used to be. Uh, so, so from, from this distance, I, I wouldn't uh, pretend or presume to give them any advice or counsel because they know uh, whether or not Harden would, would fit uh whether his personality uh would, would work with the group that they have uh it'd be fascinating to see because then you have four future hall of famers in your starting lineup that'd be that that, that sounds pretty good well, that would actually very be that would be very interesting to watch actually yeah. but yeah. you know this like the dynamic of the team you know might suffer a little bit but and again, I don't, I'm not in the front office, but we shall yeah. see what happens. <laughs> so who is one player that you believe that needs to take a leap this season for the Clippers? The need to what, Kenny? To, to take a leap this season. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that that's uh, something that, that, that's a concern. Uh, it, I just think that the group needs to play to their, their level of uh, skill. Uh, you, you've got one of the five or six best players in the league in Kawhi Leonard. You've got a, a, a great uh, two-way player in, in Paul George. Uh, you've got the, well, the guy who's been a triple-double machine his entire career. Oh, so Westbrook. Uh, Russell Westbrook, yeah, Westbrook. Uh, Zubats is a very capable, big center who can protect the rim, uh, can score from the low post. Uh, rebounds well at both ends of the court, and they have maybe the best depth of any team in the league. They go nine, ten men deep without much of a fall off when you have to start making substitutions or when you have the inevitable injuries that hold some players out of games. Uh, I think the, the, the only leap they have to make is have a, a leap to be relatively healthy, uh, to have George and Leonard play 70, 75 games, uh, that would give them a real chance to win uh, the Western Conference Championship, which is a, a great step towards winning the, the whole thing. Uh, I just think good health is is all they, they really need. I think they've got everything else that you, you need. So the next question I have is, who do you think wins the NBA Finals this season? Hmm. I think I'm going to say the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, you know, bring in Dam Damian Lillard from Portland to go with the, the already great cast led by 
you know, the Greek freak. Uh, I, I, I think the Bucks have the, the cast, the experience. They have championship experience. Uh, and having Lillard, one of the most dynamic scorers uh, in the league, averaged 30-some points a game uh, last year. Uh, adding him without giving up uh, any key members of their rotation, uh, I would say the Bucks have a great chance to win it all. And if I were to, if I were a betting man, I'd probably put a, a dollar or two uh, on the Bucks. Uh, I think for me, I think the Denver Nuggets have a chance at a repeat also. But I oh, could yeah. definitely see, yeah, the Denver Nuggets are really good. They're a really good basketball team, especially oh, yeah. with Nikola Jokic. And they but are really good but I could definitely see a Bucks Nuggets final. I think it will be exciting. That'd be fun to watch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So tell me about your recent new book called Bingo. Well, I as I went on in my career, uh, people would often we we just sit there and you just tell stories back and forth as you're out to dinner with uh, uh, your 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 friends and your compatriots. Uh, we travel the roads. They'd say, you ought to write a book. And so when I re retired, uh, the 2019-20 season opened without us. And I was like, okay, okay, now we talked about retiring for years. We've finally done it. What do we do now? And I, I hearkened back to this thought about maybe I've got, I've got the makings of a book. My, my real intention was to write a book about the history of the league because I have, uh, because of my age, a very unique look at the league. My dad and I became fans of the National Basketball Association. The year was formed in 1946, mm -hmm. which is like ancient history right now. I was eight years old. <laughs> it's not so. It's not so ancient. <laughs> well, uh, but anyway, we 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 followed the league from the very beginning. I mean, uh, I can talk about George Mikan. Uh, who was the game's first great uh, big man uh, and superstar and was known as Mr. Basketball because I, I saw him play in college at DePaul University against our hometown Bradley University team in Peoria, Illinois, and then saw him play for 10 years in the National Basketball Association and later, later met George Mikan and, and talked the, the history of the game and, and his contribution to it. And then it goes through the the marvelous years of uh, Bill Russell and the, the Boston Celtics and their mm -hmm. domination of the 1960s. I've seen them all play. And so I, I can talk about them firsthand rather than just having read something in a book uh, or seen some old grainy black and white, uh, you know, video clips of, of these guys. And I thought, so, so th th that's a look at the history of the league that, uh, I have not seen presented anywhere by somebody who has seen it all. And uh, so th that became kind of the, the the birth of my thoughts about writing a book. And it wound up um, the publisher, uh, Santa, Santa Monica Press, said, I, I'd like to get some more about you into the book. So it became part memoir and part uh, NBA history, and um, the, the memoir part uh, is not just me came, what, look how great I am. It's like, what does it take 
to, to number one, find a career that you truly love and we're going to work is never a job. It is a pleasure uh, and, and finding finding that and, and sustaining it for as many years. I was in the broadcast business for 60 years and uh, it, it's not an easy thing to do. And I'm so lucky that, that I, I found it and some good guidance from my my mother and father and working in Peoria, which for some reason or other became just a uh, uh, a birthplace of a lot of very, very good, successful uh, broadcasters, uh, starting with Chick Hearn, who is uh, a legendary L.A. Lakers broadcaster. He used to broadcast my high school basketball games in Peoria, and he started the parade of uh, uh, sportscasters to the West Coast, and uh, I was able to to follow along with many others uh, out of Peoria. But it is just I, I I've got friends and family members today who work Monday through Friday and just can't wait for Saturday and Sunday to come, uh, or work their fifty weeks to get their two weeks vacation, and I, I go man, and and they get up in the morning and think, oh God, I got to go to work again today. Uh, and that's probably the, the the bulk of our of our population uh, experience. That, that is true. And uh, so the the book kind of I, I think gives a roadmap on, on how to find number one find the career, and then how to uh, get into it and and get that first job and uh, develop it where it becomes your life. I mean, uh, uh, the L.A. Clippers were my life. I say I, I I retired at 80, 40 of my 80 years, literally half of my life had been spent with that basketball team. And that is a, a blessing I will never take for granted and will always be so grateful for. So where can people find you and the book uh, Bingo? Well, it's amazon.com or uh, where where you typically buy your books uh it's it's available and uh i'd love to have people pick it up and take a look at it and see how it uh, fits into their lives and their search for uh the kind of joy that uh, uh i was lucky enough lucky enough to have i uh i i pinch myself even today and uh, it's it's really great and and the book will will show that uh, and the relationships that developed over the years. I mean, I, I have two full paragraphs on Bill Walton, uh, one of the great players in game history and now very well-known, uh, you know, television, uh, chorus, uh, color guy, uh, college games and pro games. Uh, Bill was such a joy to be with. And we had some marvelous adventures, including an 18 day, 17 night, whitewater raft trip down the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. Um, they're just, there's, and I've got like maybe a hundred photographs uh, never before seen by anybody and a lot of stories that that nobody has ever heard. So it's, it, it's a fun, very, very easy read. It's uh, nothing academic about it. It's just good fun. Well, this that's all the questions I have today. I want I really want to thank you for the time and this experience has been very one of my highlights of my podcast and I just want to thank you for the time.
Well, thank you, Kenny. I appreciate it. Nice job. Uh, I wish you well in your career. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. You bet. This is the end of Bye. this is the end of this interview. Special thanks to Mr. Ralph Lawler for the interview. For future past episodes, check me out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, follow me on Twitter at Kenny underscore sports and TikTok at Kenny Sports Podcast. Also, check out my website, KenTheSportsGuy.com, Ken with Twins. Until the next episode, see ya, and I hope you stay safe and healthy. Kenny, the Sports Guy Podcast.